0: Thursday, October fourteenth, two thousand twenty-one. This is the MDM podcast. Joe Morales going solo today. Trevor is out. He's uh, got some personal issues going on, so he gets a day off. He'll be back on Monday. But this is the MDM podcast, and I am going solo on a very action-packed Thursday night. Thursday night in October, we have New York hockey back for the first time in a few months. The Rangers. Losing, of course, they're back. They started last night, but they're also playing right now. And the Islanders are also back, and they're losing the Hurricanes two to one. As this goes on, but it's very action packed. Not only because of that, you also have Thursday night football in a very good game with the Eagles and the Bucks, and also Game Five of the Giants Dodgers NLDS series. So very action packed. A lot going on on Thursday night, but we we have a very action packed show here. Also, we got to get to. And we'll be managerial openings because it infects the Yankees indirectly. And we'll touch on that in a second. Kyrie Irving now officially out all games, Sean Mark says, until he is vaccinated. And we'll preview the Giants game coming up on Sunday. Uh, we'll have our NFL picks. And most importantly, we will sit down with Brooklyn Nets radio announcer Tim Capstraw to preview the Brooklyn Nets upcoming season. So we'll have it's pre-recorded, it's 20-minute interview. Trevor's actually in that one and that'll come just after we talk about the Yankees and a little bit of Kyrie. So the news today is that the Yankees are firing um, Marcus Thames and Phil Nevin, and it's it's been obvious that things are getting stale with his coaching staff, and it almost makes me wonder what Aaron Boone's fate is next. Now, you start picking off members of his coaching staff. So Phil Nevin's now out, third-base coach. Marcus Thames, the hitting coach, is now out, and the offense was a big part of why the Yankees struggled this year, a big part why... They weren't going to win the division, which they were expected to. But ultimately, excuse me, came up short. So, those two guys are out. And, like I said, I think Boone's fate is, first of all, it's not determined, But it makes me wonder if he's actually out. Because they're taking key parts of his, po- uh, his coaching staff, rightfully so. But it leads me to think that he's the next guy out. And hearing today that Mike Schill of St. Louis is also out as Cardinals manager. And with the Mets, Padres, Cardinals. I think soon-to-be Yankees all having managerial opens. Very interesting and locked-and-loaded teams ready to win next year with open manager spots. This is gearing up to be a very interesting offseason. Not, not only with the CBA, too. That's coming up, too. But for very enticing managerial openings, and I'll tie it in with the Yankees in a second. Don't get off tracked here. But... When you hear out of Padres' camp and out of Mets' camp that they're looking at guys like Buck Showalter, like Ron, Ron Washington, Bruce Bocci, and I suppose Mike Shield will also be in on the Padres' Mets and, and presumably Yankees' job very soon. At least he should be. This comes as a surprise for me that Mike Shield is out. Right, he took over from Matheny, led the Cardinals to the NLCS in his first year. Now, they haven't been back there yet, but with a very old and raggedy St. Louis Cardinals team that has trouble putting up runs, he's done a tremendous job of getting them as well. So, from a St. Louis standpoint, very interesting that Schilt is out. I'm wondering what they do next year. But if the Yankees do move on from Aaron Boone, there is another guy on the table now that they should definitely look at. It's not and Mike Schilt. And Schilt is not the old school guy that the Padres and Mets have been looking at. He's not Buck Showalter, he's not Bruce Bochy, he's not Ron Washington. But the fact that those three guys are coming up in managerial conversations in 2021, first of all, it's a good thing. Anytime we shy away from analytics and move closer or move further away from it, it's a good thing. So hearing guys like Showalter, Washington, and Bochy now back in the mix of things, it's good for the sport. Now, I have trouble believing that Buck Scholler will be hired in today's baseball game because, like I said, of analytics. But even the fact that he's being considered is very, very good. So will the Yankees—well, first of all, they have to make a decision with Boone. And based on reports from Lindsey Adler, from Brian Hoke, it seems to be that the fate of Aaron Boone has not yet been determined. With today's firings of Thames Thames and Nevin, it leads me to believe Boone's next. And it's only a matter of time before they say they're not going to renew his contract. I have that gut feeling because of the moves they make today. And because the three old school guys I mentioned and Mike Schilter available, all better managers than Aaron Boone. And I presume that the new manager that comes in next year is going to have a completely revamped team with a new shortstop, a new first baseman, and a new catcher. Because quite frankly, Gary Sanchez isn't cunning anymore. But we could be, I mean, imagine this. It's April 1st. Bruce Bochy is the manager of the Yankees. And he's penciling in Corey Seager as the two-hitter of the New York Yankees. I mean, we're talking about a Yankee team that would look completely different in the matter of five months. And rightfully so. This team is built with a ton of flaws. Joey Gallo should not be a starting major league player on the Yankees. Maybe another team. Not the Yankees. They already have too many guys like Joey Gallo. John Carlos Stanton does it. If they keep Gary Sanchez, he does it. I don't think Gary Sanchez will be back next year, but just like him. Judge sometimes is like that, but he's not really. He's not really there yet. They have plenty of swing and miss. They have plenty of walks. Joey Gallo is not, nece- he's not a necessity. I mean, I don't want to give away my Yankee pre- predictions because we have a show on that after the World Series. is all wrapped up and all that. Corey Seager. If Matt Olson becomes available from, available from Oakland, a new starting catcher and a starting pitcher, and, you know, we're ready to go in 2022 with a new manager and hopefully a new general manager. But I just found it interesting that Walter, Ron Washington, and Bruce Bochy are being mentioned in, in managerial conversations. I, I I just find it amazing that like I, I I would have never thought that those guys would be mentioned or even talked about as choices of manager in 2021 or it's gonna be 2022. That in itself shocks me. Now also, if Aaron Boone does go, Buster only from ESPN says that Aaron Boone and the Padres have a connection. I just I'll, I'll, listen. I'll go help Aaron Boone pack. That's not an issue. But presumably the Yankees are going to have a new manager next year. Who it's going to be, I don't know. I've only talked about old school managers, but one of the guys who's not necessarily new school, but he's not anti analytics. That's that's C. C. Sabathia. And if you have the list, if if you have the time to listen to R two C two, like I do, C.C. Sabathia has been very critical of Yankee management and how they've handled this core, and he's absolutely right. His comments on Boston where he said, the Red Sox traded away Mookie Betts. They traded away Andrew bennett Those guys aren't there anymore. And they're back in the ALCS this year? That's because they have good management. Alex Corr is a very good manager. Now, I don't think he should be still managing in Major League Baseball. He should be banned. But that's besides the point. Management's the problem. And yeah, that, that got me fired up for CeCe's Matthew. I would not be opposed to seeing him in the Yankee dugout next year. He's got that fire to him. I mean, if I'm an Emily umpire, I'm scared of CeCe's Mathia. But he's got that fire to him. I personally believe he can lead a clubhouse. He's got the makings of a championship. Or, excuse me, of a champion. And I'd be willing to give CeCe's Mathia a shot. Now, if you're asking me if i would rather Bruce Bochy, who's a three-time World Series champion, or CeCe's Mathia, I'm going to choose Bruce Bochy. But again, I refuse to believe that these three guys are going to be managed in 2022. They just don't fit in with today's bowl game. It's just not there. So that's on the Yankees. We're going to have a whole preview show after the World Series is over. Trevor will be here for that. We'll go into the Yankees and Mets, too. The Mets have been very quiet as of late. Nothing with the managers, and that'll come after the World Series also. But me and Trevor will break down... The offseason, what they should do, managers, general managers, anything, and Steve Cullen, maybe. That'll all come after the World Series ends. So that's on the Yankees. And one more thing before we get to the capture interview. That is Kyrie Irving. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about Kyrie a little bit. We didn't want to get, you know, into too much. We don't want to disrespect him because he is a Nets employee, so we didn't want to get into the bad stuff of him. But the question is how good of a team are the Nets without Kyrie Irving? And that was one of the questions I asked Capra. Was how how good are they without him? And to me, with the pieces they brought in, and Patty Mills is, is, is the great example of it, they are still finals contenders without Kyrie Irving. They have done a great job of establishing depth using two of their number one draft picks I mean, Cam, Cam, Capper says uh, Cam Thomas looks great. I don't want to spoil the interview. Capper says Cam Thomas looks great. So I'm excited about Cam Thomas. Regardless of Kyrie Irving, the Nets are still a championship contender. And I look at that because last year when Kyrie Irving was out for his, all of his personal issues, that still played good. So that leads me to believe the Nets are actually still a very good team without Kyrie Irving. Now they're not gonna be, you know, not winning 72 games this year. They're not, you know, they're not 2015 Warriors, but they're still a very good team. And they're still one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. Now, yes. Having Kyrie Irving helps. And if the Nets start, I don't know, like 5 and 10, will fans be even more angry than what they are right now? Yes. I think fans are very angry right now. And quite honestly, this has all been blown out of proportion. We can't step into Kyrie Irving's shoes and and see what he's going through. And quite frankly, it's none of our business. I don't care what Kyrie Irving does. If he's got to sit out for whatever issues he has, so be it. Some things are bigger than basketball. I understand that. And I don't think he cares either because he's getting $18 million this year regardless. So it's not like he's living paycheck to paycheck. But this has all been blown out of proportion to the point. Right, net fans are turning on him. And if the Nets get out to a slow start, you know, you could blame the defense. Maybe there's an injury. You know, whatever it may be. It's going to be irrelevant because fans are going to point to Kyrie Irving and say, well, we need you the most. Where are you? The fans are going to turn on him real quick. But anyway, I'm excited for the season. With or without Kyrie Irving, like I said, they're still championship contenders. They're still a very, very exciting team. And it is finals or bust. There's no excuses this year. The Big Three had half a season to play last year. They had an off season to work together this year. Now it's the Big Two without Kyrie. So they got to know each other better. There's no more excuses. This is a championship team built to win a championship this year. And there's no more excuses. I don't want to keep you any longer. We'll get to the Capper interview right now. We'll segue over to that. Uh, you'll hear Trevor because it was recorded yesterday. so. Um, because he's not here. He's, he is in the interview. And then we'll come back. We'll be back with Jake Schwinger. We'll be doing Giants. We'll give our NFL picks for week six. I'll call it week six already. But here's Capper. And we're back, and we are now joined by one of the industry's best, the Capper Tim Capstraw. He does Brooklyn Nets radio on the fan here in New York City. He does NEC. He's done CBS Sports Network. Pretty much anywhere there's basketball being played, Tim Capstrow is there. So, Capper, thanks for joining us. How you doing, man? I'm doing great.
1: Uh, appreciate you having me on. I'm a big fan of you guys. I love the way you work. I've seen how you do things, and I'm uh, really happy to be on the show.
0: Yeah, so, Capper, um, we're about a week out from Nets opening game, and a lot's going on with them. We'll we'll, st- we'll steer clear of the of the real heavy stuff, but I do want to you know, get into a little bit of how, what's going on with Kyrie Irving. So we all know what's going on with him and whatnot, but Capper, how much of, or or, or, how much is Kyrie's absence going to affect the Nets in the regular season? I think we all know that if they make to the playoffs without Kyrie Irving at home, it's not going to end well. But do you think they can pick up the slack without him in the regular season, win some games?
1: I think they can be a very good team uh, without him, but I think they will be a better team with him. So, I mean, like, you're you're it's a very very good deep team but again he's a special talent and you want to go you want to go through it with him and yet there's tough decisions probably tough decisions to be made by Kyrie and I think it's going to be tough decisions to be made by the Nets to see maybe they play this out for a while maybe maybe does you know I'm not really sure how it goes but um no, I've got to be a little bit careful. I am mean, actually a Nets employee, so I don't, I'm not really entitled to talk about these kind of things uh, that often. But um, hopefully it gets resolved. And I think the Nets will be a, a very, very good team. And I'm blown away by the job that they've done as far as accumulating talent. But again, I think you would be crazy if you said you didn't want Kyrie Irving out there, one of the best players in the NBA. Cap it's
2: still clear of Kyrie and the, and the controversial issue. Um, my question to you would be, how much pressure are you saying is on Steve Nash after what happened last year?
1: Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I thought he, with everything that went on uh, with the team, the amount of injuries, how few times the big three played together, how free t- few times they had two of the big three play. And even in the playoffs, they had like one, 1. 1.5 when you talk about guys coming back off of injuries. I thought he did a good, very, very good job. I, 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 his poise, his his class, his way, he, this his aura about him is so impressive. I think he's the right coach at the right time for this team. I'm sure, and I also saw him improve a lot. I, I don't, I, I don't feel, I don't think he's the kind of guy that pressure gets to that much. He's been an NBA MVP. He's, he's been around. He's Steve Nash. He doesn't have to prove that much. Although I think he, you know, competitor in him. I want to do a great job and, and win an NBA championship. But again, I don't think I don't think he feels the stress. I don't, I don't think he's he's that kind of guy. He's a unifier. He's he's the class uh, personified. He he really he's really got it. Capper, with
0: Kyrie out for majority of the day with the games, who do you think Steve Nash relies on and goes to in his absence? Who who, who gets more playing time with Kyrie out now?
1: Well, I think I think Patty Mills. Slipped, I don't necessarily think he necessarily slips into the starting lineup, but I think his minutes go up. Could slip into the lineup. I think Devon uh, Carter. He's a two guard that can play that spot. A lot of wings. I, I, I there, 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 are bodies. I got Cam Thomas has looked good. I, I, there are, there are players. There are enough really good players uh, to fill in the spots. But again, uh, you know, you, you would want. And, and one of the best in, in the league to be out there, but but those guys are very very good. And I, I really, because I really love, but I would really love Petty Mills to be in that role where he's off the bench. I've just watched him thrive in that in San Antonio. I watched how awesome he was in Australia, and I think he he really is going to provide a great great boost of energy in in that role. But he certainly could adjust uh, to starting also, if if you know depending on the, there's a multitude of lineups that could occur for The Nets, so I don't need to go through all them, but he could be a person that starts. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of bodies that can fill in and fill, fill in that role, or what could could fill in that role,
2: Cap. You talk about that getting a lot of talent over the offseason. How do you feel Paul Millsap and Javon Carter fit into this team? Or the rotation, or what?
1: You know, it'd be quite. I think Millsap is perfect because I think he's probably 18. 19 minutes a game. Remember the Nets had a weakness in rebounding. Uh, He can, he's just a national rebounder. When he was in college, he led the nation in rebounding three consecutive years. He's just one of those guys that goes up. He's got meat hook hands. He's got a great feel for it. He's developed a three point shot. He's got a maturity about him. You can win with guys like him. Same thing. And Javon Carter is, uh, he, he can, he can D you up. He can make it. He can make you feel so uncomfortable. Remember, he was the Big East Defensive Player of the Year at West Virginia. He's he's unbelievable a guy that can get up India and guard. But underrated part of his game is the last couple of years, he's shot the ball 38 39% from three-point land. And I've even seen it so far in preseason. He looks really comfortable behind that arc. So both of them well, will be contributors. How much? When? Where? It's a long season. I'm sure they'll be incredibly useful. Trevor, with... Oh, uh, excuse me, uh, Capper, with LaMarcus Aldridge
0: coming back now after the hiatus last year, do you expect him to be thrown right into the uh, every day, or not every day, but playing the majority of minutes at center? Or do you expect him and out to share the role? Uh, I think,
1: I think actually, it, no, Blake Griffin you got to think about. And, gr- think and about Griffin, your, too, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge, and it's going to be, I'm curious where the development of Nick Claxton falls into all yes. that also, you know? I mean, our bodies... But there's only a certain amount of minutes. It will be interesting. But again, long season, a lot of stuff happens. We all know that. And so I think all three of them will be incredibly valuable. Uh, You know, and I think the experience of a Blake Griffin along with LaMarcus Aldridge, these are guys that want to win a ring. They're here to win a ring. And uh, they they are going to be really enjoyable to watch. And again, not a ton of pressure on them like they had earlier in their careers. They don't have to play the same amount of minutes. Uh, the roles are somewhat diminished uh, less because of James Harden and Kevin Durant on the floor. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think this is a really enjoyable time in their careers, yet their goal is uh, obviously to win a championship.
0: Now, Capper, I'm going to be honest with you. As a Nets fan, I want to see more of Nick Claxton. Can Do you think we'll see a lot more of him this year, or we'll see
1: about the same as we did last year? No, yeah, I don't know. You know, I think I understand that because I like him too. I like him. I, I, I think he, he can switch out and defend. He can catch really connected well with uh, Harden a lot on the roll game, was able to catch and finish decent. His offensive game has been, I want to see it go to another level on his free throw shooting to improve, but he is he's an active, athletic, uh, interesting player. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to stay healthy, and I think he can contribute how many minutes? Again, nice problem to have, right? For this Brooklyn Net team, you got a guy oh, like yeah. Nick Claxton, and you're not sure how many minutes you can get him. So uh, it would be interesting to see how it all plays out.
2: Capra, how, how do you see the Nets' defense being this year? Because we saw last year in certain spots that, you know, they weren't as good giving up a lot of points. Do you think they will be better this year on defense compared to they were last year?
1: Yeah, I, I think they did an unbelievable job of evaluating the high-motor defenders along the NBA, and we talked about them already. We talked about Javon Carter. Uh, James Johnson is a guy that, that he can get up. He is a physical, tough, all-around defensive player. Uh, uh, you know, DeAndre Bembry can get up India and defend at times and play hard on the wing. Uh, they have some. They went after some high motor defenders uh, to increase the intensity, uh, uh, to be able to lock down, to be able to play better defense, and I think they're going to be capable of that. Uh, This season, I also think they have a terrific coaching staff, a lot of guys that are defensive minded. And I think uh, along the way, I think that's that's the area we saw in the playoffs last year that this net team is capable, capable of playing good defense. And and what I think they need to do is put teams away that they should put away a little bit quicker this year. I don't think they need to have these last five minutes of the game against weaker opponents like and and then pull the game out. I think it'd be nice if the guys could get after it, get into them, and have some easier fourth quarters along the way for this season as it goes as it goes along.
0: Now, Capper, on draft night, I was one of the main net fans who was surprised that they used their first two uh, their two first round picks the draft rookie players. I thought they, you know, shipped them out maybe for some veteran players. But Cam Thomas and Dayron Sharp are on the team now. What role do you see them playing this year?
1: Nice, Thomas is impressive, isn't he? I mean, he's a natural. He's been great, natural born scorer. He can just light it up, man. He's just one of those guys that, you know, he, the ball is in his hands. He's, he's he knows how to score, knows how to get fouled, doesn't shy away from the big moment. He's fun. He's fun to watch. And again, if uh, depending on the situation with this team, he could get more minutes. You know, how many? Who knows? But he is looks like he is a very very impressive pickup for getting at 27. And DeRon Sharp is is a big body, bouncy uh more skilled than you think at six nines i i i he's going to be interesting to watch him because he, he's got a lot of tools uh watching him handle the ball even a fake pass he's got a decent stroke from the outside and he's powerful and can rebound so i don't know when he plays the key for these guys is they get better if they're not playing you know just keep working and just keep getting better that's one of the down you know want to be on a great a very good team this is going to be a top team in the nba some of these guys will have tough time getting you know a ton of minutes they've got to make every day count you know and really get their work in and get better better every day and then learn from these veterans
2: cap the nets are a favorite to win the east and the, the championship will outright itself who do you see as the biggest challenge to the nets in the east oh milwaukee milwaukee i mean uh
1: Think about what, you know, they're, they're, first of all, they're good. I, I, I don't discredit what they did last year. I, I thought it was a legitimate, excellent championship. And I just think once you learn how to win like that, I, I think that's a big deal. I think it's a bigger deal than than than, than a lot of people think. You know, there's a psychological factor that they were able to overcome. Remember the last couple of years they had struggled in the playoffs. There's a lot of pressure on them this year, and they were able to overcome that. Giannis gets 51 we saw how Drew Holiday, his, his ability to uh, really improve teams that he's around. We even saw that as he went to the uh, Team USA in the Olympics. When he arrived, everything seemed to be better for that team, certainly defensively, but just all around. Chris Middleton's developed into a quality player. They've got it going. They're really, really good and will be a, a formidable opponent. I mean, and let's play them in the opening game. Of the season, you don't want to take too much out of one game, but it'd be interesting to see uh, how these bodies match up on both of these rosters. Joe
0: Morales, Trevor Markowski, talking with Nets broadcaster Tim Capstra and Trevor, or excuse me, and Capper. Um, the Nets lost a few guys in free agency, and the biggest one is Spencer Dinwiddie in the signing trade with Washington. Capper, do you see the Nets as deep as they were last year, or do you see more, more, um, less, less, lesser options for Steve Nash off the bench here? No, I think
1: they got more. I think they got more. I think they're deeper. I think they've got they understood their weaknesses now, and they plugged the holes very effectively. They got defenders, uh, defenders that can shoot the ball, toughness, high character guys. Even get the return of Lamarcus Aldridge. You get a Paul Millsap in there. You get Petty Mills. Come on,
2: you can't do
1: a better job than they have done this five-year transformation of this franchise. And Sean Marks has been here, is something that they're going to do. They're going to break books about.
0: And and Capper, and, and and all this with the with the cap constraints too this offseason.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. They, the way they operate, the way they Remember when he took over the job? They didn't even have draft picks. The <laughs> Celtics had all their draft picks. Talk about figuring it out, and and just just an impressive, an amazing job that they have done it's i'm really proud to be a part of the organization you know and just watch this thing develop i mean but a lot of things still got you know i say well they're favored you know they're favored that doesn't mean you're like they're favored you have the biggest percentage in the league but you know it's like you against the field i I don't know that they're better than you know what i mean I, i don't know that they're a A 40% chance to win it. Maybe they are a 35 to 40% chance to win it. There's still an awful lot of factors. You talk, we talked about Milwaukee. There's probably another team that's going to surprise you in the East, or maybe two or three. Maybe Miami is better than you think. You know, if it steps up even more, Atlanta takes another step. Uh, I don't know. And then you go out west. You know, know, who knows what the Lakers are going to do out there? How, How good could they be? It's really that's going to be an intriguing team because I, I love the pieces, but I, I don't know how the puzzle fits. And so at some of the times and uh, and yet any team that has LeBron James and Anthony Davis, man, come on. And then then you put Russell Westbrook to carry the load to. Through, through an 82 game season, they're going to be uh, they're going to be more than more than formidable, that's for sure. And it's amazing. They don't even talk about Phoenix because they they get to the finals. They've got a good young roster, and you know, and then Utah. But I don't. You just go up and down. The league is great. The league is great. The Nets are really, really good, and I just can't wait to get
2: going. Cap, you touched about how the Nets' big three didn't play that much together last year, and that was because of injury. How concerned, you know, should Nets fans be entering the season about injuries or the health of the team? I don't
1: know. I mean, I just think you have to anticipate that things aren't going to be perfect, no matter what. Because it, it, it wasn't just the Nets last year. You noticed it more because if you're a Nets fan and they had stars, but up and down the league, there, you know, injuries are part of of this. It's a grueling, long season, and and stuff happens, you know. And the injuries seem to seem to be a big part of it. So I think you've got to be able to weather that. That's why the depth and just getting through the the 82-game season and, and trying to be in, in, in good shape after it is, is so important. And uh, I think that's why the Nets have built themselves for all those nights where it's not perfect. They've got the bodies they can go to, whether it be they've been given a defensive boost, an offensive boost, uh, and just some depth that is quality right now that, can, uh, that you can weather the storm and, and just use your pride to, to win the game.
0: So we've just got one more question, Capri. We won't keep you longer. But um, I do want to get your – I know it's very early, but do you have any sort of finals prediction that you want to spew out here? And, I mean, I'm hoping you choose the Nets. I really do. But do you have anything that's going to shock the world? Any – any, some sort of hot take for us here?
1: Uh, I, no, no not, not many hot takes for me on that <laughs> one. That's for sure. Are you, I'm not a hot uh, – no, I can be a hot take guy at times. But I, I, I just – no, I think the Nets, uh, again – if everybody is saying that they're one of the teams that are the team that's most favored, I mean, what a job, that's all you can do right now is put yourself in position to have success. And that's what the Nets have done. Now that we still got to do it and there's a lot of work to be done. And there's, it's, it's not easy, but they have done an unbelievable job and they deserve to be, if you're going to pick one team, uh, they would be the one you would favor the most. But again, a lot of things have to break, right? You have to be, the fortune has to be there and you have to get there. Uh, and uh, I think the Nets got an opportunity for that. But again, you, you, you got to be fortunate, also,
0: Capper. I'm really hoping this is the year. I mean, I have not had good luck with my sports teams. The Yankees are terrible. The Rangers are going to be terrible. The Giants are sitting here at one and four. Everyone's hurt. They're terrible. The Nets are my keep me sane, Capper. The Nets are my only team that's at least close to a championship. I, I need it, Capper. I need it. But uh, Trevor's got one more question for you. Uh, uh, Joe,
1: I'll let the team know that. Please do.
0: Please do. Please do. Tell tell them. Is, is, tell is, them is. Joe Morales from Annapolis ha- needs a championship.
1: Uh, Listen, if I get a chance, I'll let them know. That'll go (laughs) over well. Yeah, yeah, that'll
2: be great. (laughs) Cap, last question: Would you say it's championship or bust for the Nets this year? Uh, I don't know. I I think you all
1: just want to put yourself in position. You know, you want to have a roster that can be right there to have a chance. I think that's when it's exciting, and I think that's what the Nets have. I, I, I think, I think the goal is obviously the championship, and I think if they don't get it. They'll be disappointed. Bust, I think, is too strong a word. I think it'd be, you know, but put yourself in position again uh, to go after it again. Because sometimes things aren't perfect, and you got to fight through it. And, and uh, but but I, I think I think they have a really uh, great team, and they got a great opportunity, and I can't wait to watch them. And fans should really enjoy the quality, you know, quality of play, the quality of people. And the quality of the job that's been done there is so impressive to me.
0: Well, Capper, we really appreciate you coming on, man. It it means a lot to us. And, I mean, I hope to see you at Barclays this year. I'm going to get down there a couple times. I'll be looking for you.
1: Let me know. Let let me know, Joe. You know how to contact me. Let me know when you're coming. We'll hang out a little
0: bit. Yes, sir. Thank you, Capper.
1: All right, Trev. Take care, man.
0: Thank you, Capper. When we get back, we'll preview the next season plus our Week 6 NFL picks. Joe Morales, Trevor Murkowski on the MDM Podcast. Okay, we're back in the present. The interview has concluded, and I would like to thank uh, the capper, Tim Capstra, for taking time out of his very busy schedule with the Brooklyn Nets season coming up to answer me and Trevor's questions and get some very insightful stuff in the upcoming Nets season. And I am now joined by Jake Schwinger, who did fill in for Trevor a little bit over the summer. Uh, He's here. He'll wrap the show. We'll do a little Giants. We'll have our picks, and I have Trevor's picks that he sent in to me Via text, so we'll do that towards the back end. But what we'll do real quick is preview the Giants' upcoming game this week against the Rams, I and mean, zero expectations whatsoever. This, this is a game they're going to lose. But, I mean, when you look back to last Sunday, losing about half their roster to injuries. I mean, will, will, Jones with a concussion on the helmet. The helmet hit in the red zone. Glennon took over, didn't do much. He's on track to play Sunday, so that's good news. Giants are 1-4 in the red zone on Sunday. That's besides the point. Maybe we'll touch on that a bit later. But, to continue on, Barkley sprained his ankle after stepping on a defender. Kenny Galladay Uh, hurts, hurts his knee. He's on track too. You know, he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's on track too. I I hope
3: I hope, I hope he plays this week, but I I, I have this feeling that uh Jones uh, this week is probably
0: gonna have one of those like really tough games. We have to run, a few times, get fumbled a few times, and He might come back down the early. again. Huh. No, no. This game to me, this game to me is over right now. It it's over before it started. But on Barkley for a second, I understand it's unlucky. But at some point, you got to cut your ties to this guy. He's coming up on on, his fourth year. He's had one healthy season. The guy's never on the field. And today's NFL, I'm not paying a running back. This offseason, he could take a hike. I'm not paying him. All right, so we, we've we seen him five games now back from his ACL injury. Has he been helpful at all? Let me ask you that. The answer is no. Strides. At I, 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 what point, are strides not good enough, man? How, how much longer are we waiting for this guy? It's only the second season. Is going to be healthy, hopefully. I don't even know if he's healthy yet, and it's not all his fault too. I mean, I got to put some blame on Jason Garrett here. And you follow me on Twitter. It's become a drinking game. every time we run the ball up the middle with Saquon Barkley. I mean, can we try something different? You watch the Dallas Cowboys. They'll run to the outside. They're not just you know we're going to steamroll past a pile of guys who are three hundred fifty plus pounds and and try and get some. It's not how it's not how it works. You gotta try to be a little creative, Jason Garrett. Atrocious. Yeah. And this goes back to the incompetence in the front office when they cannot locate a problem that is in plain sight. Right now, the the problem, the the blames on the coaching staff. I know you like to defend Garrett and 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 Judge. It's on them right now. If the Giants were any sort of competent, they'd be out the door right now. They wouldn't. They wouldn't be coaching the team right now. I look dumb now. I mean, I mean, look at the schedule coming up. They got the Rams. They're not winning that. Panthers is a tough game. Chiefs, they're not winning. No, they're home. They're not, they're not beating the Chiefs. They're not beating the Raiders. They're not beating the Bucks. Right. I mean, they're going to go on six straight losses here. They're going to they're going to be one in ten. They're going to be one in ten. Bears, right? Really, it's the Bears. Yeah, yeah, and and this just goes back. This is ten years now that this organization has been the worst in football, and they cannot locate the problem when it's in plain sight. I I I've had enough of Joe Judge. He came in last year; He was great. He had the hard ass mentality; it was working. It's gone stale this year. Jason Garrett is a terrible offensive coordinator. I am sick and tired of these stupid handoffs up the middle going nowhere. Saquon Barkley. Devonta, put put any guy out there you want. It doesn't work. It's not gonna work. But 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 oh, I yes, but but also on Sunday without Andrew Thomas, they they didn't stand a chance. They stand a chance. He's the worst. He he's the he's the worst offensive lineman in football. He, he... yeah yeah no, no no he he he's by far the worst offensive tackle in football by far. Yes yes now is it gonna happen? I probably not but yeah he, uh, he he sure did. He sure did. You know what? This is this is this is a joking matter, of course. You put me and you at right tackle. We're better than Nate Solder right now. He couldn't block me and you right now, man. He, he's he's easily the worst off the tackle in football. It's the film, so. it is. and like I said, the the, the, the good. I was say the loss on Sunday is detrimental. Like I said. They have another five or so games coming up that are that are easy losses. Like I said, the Rams is a loss. The Panthers probably the most winnable game in there, but the Panthers better team than the Giants. Chiefs are that's a loss. Raiders is a loss. They're probably going to lose the bye week too, and the Bucks is a loss too. I mean, we're coming up. We're going. They're going to be one in ten. That's the uh, that is the only game that's that's so winnable. Right, right. Now, well, they 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 won that game with Houston without McCaffrey. I give them that. Yeah, but that's against Houston. Yes. Now let me tell you this: If when the Panthers come to town, not this week, next week, they are a completely different team with their three and three compared to if they're four and two. Are right, they playing the Vikings this week? I believe. If the Panthers who started three and zero. Coming the to town 3 and 3 maybe the game's winnable because i mean that that is a team on the downfall and that is a team will be spiraling out of, spiraling excuse me spiraling out of control but it's 4 and 2 they are a far better team yeah say no i i that point always 3 without the or one the right no, you know you're, you're you're absolutely right. So, I mean, this, this will be another four win season. They're going to be at the top of the draft board. They're going to be a new coach, a new GM, and we're going to do it all again next year. we probably with a new quarterback too because he shouldn't get the blame. Probably he shouldn't get the blame. But I mean, if if they win, if they win two or three games this year, he's out. that's tough. I am talking about one or, uh, not one, like two three or four wins. That's what I think. I think five wins he saves his job. Yes. He has no by far he's having the best year. Mm-hmm. Right, no, he's looked terrific. I I still blame this style of offense on Jason Garrett. though. Like I mentioned, I mentioned it earlier, kind of under my breath, that they went one and four in the red zone on Sunday. Jason Garrett has the most stale offense inside the red zone. They're the most boring team to watch on offense, and they have such exciting pieces too. Eric Bionmi is a very creative man. Evan Ingram. Oh yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna. Oh god, to lose my mind. Yeah, Kyle Rudolph. Say his name. Say his name. Kyle Rudolph. Maybe five or ten. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. No. You, the 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 bottom line is you have Eric B. Enemy, who's a very smart man, he's a very creative man, and then you have this loser Jason Garrett who's dumb as a rock and 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 can uh he can't coach uh, an offense. I and mean, that's that's all there is to it. At point, do the Giants <laughs> this year fire Garrett and put in it. I mean, I it, 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 it I know it's a rhetorical question, but I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna give you a real answer on this. I think after the Bucks game, when they're one in ten or one in nine or whatever the number is, I think that's when we see Joe Judge gone. that I mean we're going into week six. We started tonight, really. Okay. I, say, I, say we by, uh, I hope week. you. Whoa. We'll see with that. We'll move on to um our picks that we have. Before, I mean, before Jake goes, because Jake will do his picks. They won't count towards standings, but I will just want to say real quick, Trevor has sent in his picks. He is taking the Ravens minus three, the Cardinals plus three and a half, which he's done each of the six weeks he's done picks. He's taken the Cardinals, whether they're favored or not, and the Broncos minus three and a half. So those are Trevor's picks. Those are all locked in. Now to the actual picks. Jake, you were the guest so you may take your, uh, your first pick.
3: And,
0: mm-hmm. All right, go ahead. Read them through one more time. Well this all three of them. Uh, In a
3: straight line. In a straight line. Just
0: go ahead. Read them. Read them all. Through, just to reiterate. Right. Those, those are Jake's picks, and I'll go. I'll name my three now. The first one I have are the Packers minus five and a half at the Chicago Bears. Now the Bears have absolutely no run game. They've lost already. Lost Damian Montgomery. Uh. Damian Williams now out with COVID, and they're down to Khalil Herbert as their are starting back. So expect Fields to put the ball in the air a lot. To Allen Robinson, who's unhappy and has been unproductive this year, so I think it'll be an easy win for the Packers by more than a touchdown, so I'll take them uh, minus 5.5. Next, I'll take the Panthers plus 2.5 at home against the Vikings. Now, this is a big game for the Panthers. Like I mentioned earlier, they can be a 500 team in a tailspin on a down- downward spiral. Or they could be a nice four and two, and still in contention in the in the NFC South. So I'll take the Panthers plus two and a half. I think Darnold's a big game. We might see McCaffrey back, although well, he's not he's not practicing. But we'll keep our eyes on that, and the line will definitely move uh, regarding McCaffrey status. So I'll still take the Panthers plus two and a half. Finally, I'll take the Chargers plus two and a half. I believe they're playing. Double check right, the Ravens. The Ravens. There you go. Yes, that's that's a, that's a road uh road dog too. And, and the, uh, right now the Chargers are the best team in the AFC, and there's no one really close. And you can say the Raiders, the Chiefs are two and three. They're still there, but undisputed uh, team in the AFC besides the Bills is is the Los Angeles Chargers. So I'll take them on the road against the Ravens plus two and a half. All right, those are our picks. Um, I want to say just say thanks, Jake. Uh, Trevor was also here in the in the be- in, the, in the middle segment. Thanks to Tim Capstraw for giving us time to preview the net season. Me and Trevor will be back on Monday to break down week six and preview the the New York Knicks season because we couldn't get to that today. But for now, I'm Joe Morales. That's Jake Schwinger. This has been the MDM Podcast.